0: they say that life is what happens while you're busy making other plans or in the year 2020 life is the thing that takes your plans completely and utterly destroys them rips them open like a goddamn packet of crisps and then chucks them across the room like an empty goddamn tracksuit can you tell that i'm a little bit pissed off about 2020 still. But nevertheless, this can also impact wrestling much in the way it impacted all of our lives in 2020. And when it happens in wrestling, particularly when it relates to a champion of the company at the time, that can be a bit of a problem, especially if you've got a planned match or a planned storyline featuring said champion. I'm Adam Nicholas, this is Culture Wrestling, and these are 10 real-life events that forced wrestling world title changes. Number 10, Rob Van Dam drops two titles after drug charge. As of this recording, Rob Van Dam is the most recent name announced for the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame class. There's no disputing that RVD is absolutely deserving of a spot in any wrestling Hall of Fame, and the whole effing show is one of the most popular stars of his generation. Once he landed in ECW, in 1996, Van Dam quickly began to show audiences something utterly unique, and Mr. Monday Night was a genuine trailblazer. That said, the Battle Michigan native is also famous for dropping not one, but two world championships after failing a drugs test. This came in July 2006, fresh off WWE relaunching the ECW brand, with Van Dam spearheading the new Land of Extreme as the ECW World Champion, in addition to having bested John Cena to become WWE Champion at that year's One Night Stand one month prior. As detailed by RVD in an interview with Wrestling Inc, he and Sabu were pulled over in Ohio for speeding. There, the police found 18 grams of marijuana, 5 Vicodin, 9 Testalactone and various drug paraphernalia. Yep, That'll do it. The night after his arrest saw Van Dam lose the WWE title to Edge in a triple threat bout featuring John Cena, while the following night had him drop the ECW World Championship to the Big Show. Number 9. WCW makes Chris Benoit the champion to stop him from leaving. By the time of 2000 sold-out pay-per-view, the wheels were well and truly coming off for Ted Turner's once-dominant WCW. Away from the nonsensical angles and twists, Chris Benoit was one of an increasing number of talents who would finally had their fill of seeing the same old names being the feature players of the company. As such, Benoit was one of those eyeing the WCW exit, frustrated with how he'd been overlooked time and time again. With Bret Hart having vacated the World Heavyweight Championship due to concussion issues, management decided that Benoit would be the ideal choice to replace Hart against Sid Vicious in the sold-out main event for the vacant title. Not just that, but Benoit actually became the new WCW champion on that January 2009, tapping Sid out with his patented Crippler crossface. In the years since then, it's been confirmed by multiple sources that the reason Benoit was given the World Heavyweight Championship year was part of the last gasp attempt to stop him from leaving WCW. That tactic of course did not work and Benoit along with Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko and Perry Satin would leave WCW the very next day. By the end of the month, the forward land in the WWF as the radicals. Number 8. WWF's Taz beats WCW's Mike Awesome for the ECW world title. The real-life event here was that the ECW World Championship was in the possession of a WCW contracted wrestler who ECW's Paul Heyman feared would be persuaded to trash said title on WCW television. I mean, we all remember what happened with Medusa, right? That WCW contracted talent was Mike Awesome, who'd signed for Ted Turner's company while still the reigning ECW Champion and with the title in his possession. Now while Awesome is often made out to be the villain in this scenario, one has to consider that the powerhouse had missing ECW paychecks that were believed to total in the region of $50,000 when he jumped to WCW. And also the small tiny detail that his deal with Ted Turner's promotion was for a guaranteed 280 k year regardless of the reasons for the canadian exiting ecw the land of the extreme still needed to get its world championship from awesome as a way to shock fans paul heyman contacted vince mcmahon and requested to borrow taz seeing this as a way to get one over on wcw mcmahon agreed and taz turned up at the indiana house show to dethrone mike awesome as the ecw champion and how exactly did wwf maximize having the ecw world championship on their books Well, how else do you do it? They had Taz come up short in a triple threat featuring Crash Holly and Perry Saturn, and then had Triple H pin him with the pedigree before the human suplex machine dropped the title to Tommy Dreamer. Number seven, Vince McMahon cashes in on war. You could easily argue that the World Wrestling Federation actually delivered two world championship changes due to the Gulf War. Those real-life horrors saw WWF maximize on the situation by turning the patriotic Sergeant Slaughter into an Iraqi sympathizer. Aligning him with the Iron Sheik, and Colonel Mustafa. Not to mention the fact that Sarge would regularly mention Saddam Hussein during his promos. To go all-in on this character change for Slaughter, the decision was made for him to become the WWF champion at the 1991 Royal Rumble. There, the villain, somewhat unsurprisingly, dethroned Ultimate Warrior due to interference from Macho King Randy Savage. The belief is that Warrior was originally intended to keep hold of the WWF title for a little while longer, possibly for a rematch with Hulk Hogan at 1991's WrestleMania 7. Instead, the ongoing war caused WWF to switch those plans. Likewise, it was the Gulf War that was behind the call to have the flag-waving Hogan topple Slaughter, at that year's showcase of the Immortals, with the all-American good guy stepping up to take down the no-good foreign menace in a case of classic WWF boogieing. Number 6. Ready to Rumble's promotional push made David Arquette WCW Champion. Ah, WCW. Don't get it wrong world championship wrestling was great for a spell and not just the years in which the promotion trounced the then wwf in the ratings for there was plenty to enjoy about wcw once the company formed out of the ashes of jim crocker promotions in 1988 of course the wcw name was tarnished by the dross served up in the final few years of the promotion's lifespan one thing many like to regularly point out as being a pivotal factor in wcw's demise is the call to make david arquette the world heavyweight champion Now it should actually be stated that David Arquette, friend of the channel, was actually against the idea and the phenomenal You Cannot Kill David Arquette documentary gives a brilliant insight into the ins and outs of that anointment and the subsequent fallout of it. So why was the decision made then to put big gold around the waist of David Arquette? Well that was due to the release of the Ready to Rumble movie in April 2000. That film featured WCW and some of its stars on display alongside the likes of Arquette, Oliver Pratt, Scott Kahn and Rose McGowan. As such, WCW decided that the perfect way to jump up publicity for the movie and for Turner's wrestling company would be to put the World Heavyweight Championship on one of Ready to Rumble's headline stars. And to get the title onto Arquette, the actor-turned-wrestler would pin Eric Bischoff to win Diamond Dallas Page's World Championship in a tag bout that also featured Diamond Dallas Page and Jeff Jarrett. Number 5. The Screwjobs Now, even though it's been discussed at length over the last 24 years, we'd be remiss to do any such list and not make mention of the infamous Montreal Screwjob. The Survivor Series 1997 saw WCW-bound Bret Hart screwed out of the WWF Championship as Vince McMahon decided to take the title off Hart in a controversial fashion. With the Hitman facing Shawn Michaels at that event, the fix was in for the Heartbreak Kid to leave Montreal's Molson Center as the new WWF champ. Montreal wasn't the first screwjob though, and what many deemed the original screwjob took place in 1985. At that time, Wendy Wright was in the midst of her second reign as WWF Women's Champion. Wright was a huge part of the rock and wrestling boom that led to the first WrestleMania, and she felt that her status with the company should be reflected in her pay. When Wendy sought to renegotiate her existing WWF deal, McMahon's promotion balked at this request, so much so, this screwed her out of the title. As Reichter took part in a supposed Madison Square Garden squash match in November '85, she was faced with a no-name masked opponent known as the Spider. Unbeknownst to Wendy, this masked foe was the fabulous Moolah, who rolled Reichter up and ended her title reign. Infuriated, Wendy Reichter, in her ring gear, headed straight out of the arena, took a cab to the airport and never wrestled for the company, ever again. Number 4, Seth Rollins becomes WWE Champion after Roman Reigns' wellness failure. Having defeated Triple H at WrestleMania 32 to become the WWE Champion, Roman Reigns embarked on an impressive run with AJ Styles in the immediate aftermath. And then, when that was all said and done, The Big Dog had the returning Seth Rollins in his crosshairs. When Rollins versus Reigns was set for June's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, many assumed that it would be another W for Roman. Instead, not only did Rollins beat his former Shield brother, but he did it clean as a goddamn whistle too, which at the time... Was unheard of. The reason for Reigns dropping the title, however, soon became clear, as WWE announced shortly after this that Reigns would be suspended for 30 days following a wellness program violation. The Wrestling Observer reported that WWE was indeed aware of this violation prior to Money in the Bank, and it was due to this that the company's hand was forced in regards to taking the title of its top star. Number three, Booker T gets big gold because of the WCW buyout. By the time WCW closed its doors, Booker T was clearly a bona fide main eventer who was more than deserving of being the talent chosen to carry the World Heavyweight Championship across into the WWF. The main reason why Booker, at that point also the United States champion, won the WCW title on the final ever episode of Night Row, was largely down to the factors involved in McMahon's purchase of WCW. One big factor was the huge Time Warner deals that several of WCW's big names were contracted to. While a select few were willing to waive their massive paydays, the vast majority of those stars were content to stay at home and do absolutely nothing but collect giant paychecks. And one of those stars, somewhat unsurprisingly, was Scott Steiner. Going into that last Nitro, Steiner was still the WCW champion. Knowing that they would have Booker T to work with in the immediate future, WWF Brass made the call for the master of the Spinner Rooney to take big gold from Steiner's waist on Nitro's last hurrah. Number 2, Kurt Angle's the hero America needed post 9-11. Following the tragic events of September 11th 2001, Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation was the first form of sports, entertainment or sports entertainment to feature a mass gathering, that being a special live episode of Smackdown that aired on the Thursday just two days after 9-11. At that point in time, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the heel WWF Champion following his victory over The Rock at WrestleMania 17. With WWF looking to bring some positivity to the table, the company went ahead and had Kurt Angle take Austin's prize at the Unforgiven pay-per-view on September 23rd. If looking for a perfect moment for a celebration for wrestling fans, Angle was the right person in the right place at the right time. Angle had turned babyface earlier that year, and WWF had a legitimate American hero on the hands in the Olympic gold medalist. Adding further to the situation, that Unforgiven show took place from the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Kurt's home state and Bildar's hometown. Given the atrocities that had rocked the entire world, making Kurt Angle the WWF champion at Unforgiven was a moment that many fans needed. It's just a shame that Angle's reign lasted barely two weeks before Austin took the belt back. And number one, with a bullet, CM Punk's contract talks dictate the WWE title. Few WWE events have ever had as electric an atmosphere as 2011's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. From start to finish, the Chicago crowd were absolutely rabid throughout that July event. And the reason for this revolved around one man and one man only. CM Punk. This was when Punk's WWE feature was massively up in the air. It was detailed on-air how the Second City Saints WWE contract was expiring on the day of the Money in the Bank show. And Punk was threatening to kayfabe walk out with the WWE Championship should he defeat John Cena at that pay-per-view. In reality, the straight-edge superstar actually signed a new contract on the day of Money in the Bank, which was the reason why WWE put its biggest prize around his waist. Going into the pay-per-view, a decision hadn't been made on who would emerge victorious in the Punk vs Cena bout. That call completely hinged on whether or not the voice of the voiceless was going to sign a new contract or not. If Punk hadn't resigned with the company, Cena would have undoubtedly walked out of Chicago as still your WWE Champion. But thankfully, Punk decided to put ink to paper that meant he got to be the hometown hero and bask in a truly legendary atmosphere. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Um.